Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Tuesday morning and this evening, Key's favorite basketball team will play their first playoff game in over 2,000 days. That would be the Los Angeles Lakers, but the other big team in L.A. is creating waves this morning. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including NBA analyst Tim Legler coming up at the bottom of the hour. Legs had some really interesting comments on Kawhi we'll get to here in just a second. We'd like to throw out our number, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The discussion this morning, who's the real defending champion? The Raptors team, collectively, or Kawhi with the Clippers eventually will have a statue out in front of the arena in Toronto, but he's in a new locale. So who gets more credit, the Raptors or Kawhi? And speaking of Kawhi, guys, it's hard to remember this. He won his first title in San Antonio Key at the age of 22 when he was the finals MVP. Now the finals MVP with the Raptors could do it again with the Clippers. Legler says if he does it, three teams, three titles, three MVPs, he would cement himself as an all-time great. It seems hard to argue. No, that, that is. All right. But even to me, he, if he didn't do that, the fact that he did it twice is enough for me. He's to got say plenty that, of time. He's in the yeah, prime he's got of his plenty career. of time. And then when you look at his position in a guy who's a 3 and, a three and D guy on both sides of the floor, defensively, obviously, you could – argue if you want, but we know what that is. And then offensively, he can take the game into his own hands in a heartbeat. And I think you know this, Jay, it's very hard to defend Kawhi. He has come a long ways from an offensive standpoint from when he first got into this league with San Antonio. All of a sudden, he looks like a totally different offensive basketball player. You know what the headline would be if Kawhi Leonard wins his third championship on his third different team in his third finals MVP? Which, by the way, nobody's ever He's done. entering the GOAT conversation. Inject his name in the GOAT conversation. You're going there. Yes. Yes. I mean, last year, he averaged 30 points per game, nine and a half rebounds, and four assists. Shot 49% from the field. Had two 40-point games. Took a team that was on the outskirts of the NBA to winning a championship in one year. In one year. And then goes to a different team. And then says, hey, Steve Ballmer, hey, Doc Rivers, let's find somebody I can partner up with. Oh, hey, PG-13, you want to come on board? Come over here. And if they win it again at that age and he still has more runway left to go, you can only imagine his team is only going to get better. (laughs) They'll still be in the West. LeBron is getting older. They're gonna, he's going to enter that conversation. Well, I don't like all of everything that he said, but I do like the fact that he said he is entering that GOAT territory. And the reason that people probably would go, oh, man, please, is because of Kawhi's low demeanor personality. Right. He doesn't, he's not that guy who's out front. If you think about all the guys in our history that are considered the GOATs, whether it's a Magic or LeBron or Kobe or, or, or Michael, their personalities were so big that they got a plus for that as well as their play on the court. For anybody that wants to use the low management argument, how do we evaluate greatness in this society? Man, he's not. It's not like he's missing fifty percent of the games. No, saying, anyway. How do we how do we evaluate greatness? When we talk about Tom Brady, we talk about how many Super Bowls he won. Yeah, championships. Talk about Michael Jordan, how many championships he won. So now you're telling me three championships. LeBron James has three championships. But so if Kawhi gets three championships on three different teams and three finals MVP before LeBron James does, that's going to be interesting. Well, I think even if he even Z, if, even if he I did mean, four. it, LeBron's if, going for four. Sorry. Even right. if he did it at the same time or whatever the case, you know how hard it is to get one. Right. But to take three different teams on your back 
and finish the deal in three different locations. I mean, that's obviously we've never seen something like that, right? And also the narrative that he's a super team stopper, super team stopper. Like who did they beat when he was playing the Spurs? It was a super team, right? Miami, right? Right, 2014. Who did they beat when he won it the next time? Like Golden State. 2019. So I'm saying, like, if you, if you follow the, and the lineage he'll probably, and the narrative. I mean, if you get to this year, and it would be the Lakers probably to get to the championship. That's right. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, Zubin Mahenti here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I want to ask you this because you spent so much time growing up in Southern California, worked at our AM710 affiliate out there. Sometimes the story is what makes it. Jay sort of mentioned the Raptors were on the fringes, the hinterlands of the NBA. DeMar nobody, DeRozan. Yeah, nobody wants to get traded to Toronto, yeah. right? They yes. don't want to go there. Pop said, I'm sending you there. You don't like our medical staff? Fine. This is where I'm banishing you to Toronto, and it worked out for him. On the flip side, an even better story than the Raptors, which is a great story. This is the 50th season of Clippers basketball. The first 49 have not gone great, okay? They've never Bad been, owner. They've never there been to the go. Western Conference Finals. There you go. Obviously, they've never been to the NBA Finals. So now... He takes a team like this with a pathetic history who's known more for Clipper Daryl than any of the actual Clippers. Donald right? Sterling. Donald Sterling, yep. all that stuff. You tell me, would this be the greatest story to author of all because he would take one of the most lousy, embarrassing franchises in the history of the NBA to a championship? Absolutely. It, it will be right up there with the LeBron James Cleveland Cavs. Story. Wow, you're putting it up there. It'll be right yes, it because was. LeBron left. And Kate left with the owner being the way he was and basically slapped the owner in the face by coming back and winning a championship and saying, see all that you said and talked about me? Look what I've done for you. Dan Gilbert. Now when you, Dan Gilbert, now when you look at Kawhi, they courted Kawhi, then they courted PG to come and help him, Paul George. And at the end of the day, they said to themselves, okay, we got a guy here. They're going to build a new arena in Inglewood, California. He's try, He's from the Southern California area. So you package all that up. He's coming home to win a championship. He wins a championship at home. Like you said, 50 years, that organization was a dumpster fire. You went to, <laughs> you went to the, in free agency, you basically would go to, to, to the Clippers to just pick up a check or two and go on about your business. So when you look at all of those sort of things that, have gone on with that organization. And Doc Rivers now comes in along with PG and along with Kawhi and deliver the goods in LA, mind you. Now, LA is still a Laker. It's a Laker town. No matter what the Clippers do in terms of one championship, they've got, they, the history is already embedded in the Lakers. That's what it is. There's too many championships, the whole thing. The DNA the is The DNA so is SoCal as LA. But they get a sliver and he gets a statue. You know, in front of the new arena where you think about it, and it was always this joke about whether or not Chris Paul deserves a statue at Staples Center. Well, there, if you know Staples Center in the front of it, that's where all the big statues are. Right. We would be like, they got to put it on the convention center side, on the back side <laughs> where the fans really don't go. Well, in this case, Kawhi goes, his statue goes right in front as a player and not a retired player in front of the new arena. And that, that may be the first guy nice. in. In the history of uh, the NBA, that would have a, a statue as he's still playing, right? Currently. Currently, Currently yeah. yeah. I, and would... here's the thing. Who does Kawhi mirror his game after? Michael Jordan. When you watch a lot of his moves and a lot of his shots, the two-point shots, the fadeaways on the baseline, like there's a lot of that narrative that fouls Kawhi Leonard. And even like his quirky attitude. He got the bus the other day, right? Most players had their headphones on. Yeah. My man has a huge tablet. 
It's like a 15-inch tablet. He's like watching tape on the way. He's not talking to anybody. Like that demeanor is what makes him so special. He doesn't care who you are. In, he he is ahead, a Borg. Jay. He wants to dominate and, you. And what Jay is saying right there is the reason that you're going to hear arguments, and I'm sure you've you probably got there a load go. of tweets on your little Twitter deal, on your Instagram deal, people saying it's you don't know little. what you're It's not little. Well, you know what I'm it's saying. It's not cute like you call Kyler Murray. Stop. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those deals. This is why people would say – uh, he's not one of the greatest of all times because of his personality. Again, again, when you think about personalities and championships, those are the ones that's always pushed up. The guys that just kind of go on about their business and win, people be like, eh, they're boring. And they don't give them their due. If you're listening to us on ESPN 1000 in Chicago, quick technicality. Obviously, they had the Michael statue up in front of the United Center. Then Michael left to play baseball, came back. So when he came back and was active again, there was a statue there just, just for but the But he best. retired, though. So Correct. technically, I'm right, Chicago. <laughs> but when he did come back, it was there. And obviously, that's the sign of greatness. Real quick, uh, Colin in Toronto, you're on ESPN Radio. We're debating whether it's Kawhi, whether it's the Raptors, who really gets the credit. But what you're saying is it's simply not just Kawhi, right? A hundred percent. Guys, first off, I appreciate you taking my call. Um, you guys have some big shoes to fill, but so far in the first two days, you're filling in quite admirably. Um, congratulations on a you. great show, uh, and you got some great personalities on the show. Keyshawn followed you at USC, although I got to say, Jay Will, I'm a Dookie fan for life. Yes. Back in the days of Johnny Dawkins, taking it back old school, Quinn Snyder and that group, all the way through to the shot. So um, much, much respect to all of you gentlemen. Thank uh, you, bro. Tell us your that point. Being said, that being said, you know, Kawhi is like, you know, I, I take it your first car. You get your first car in high school. You love that car. That car takes you from point A to point B. You love that car. But then you get some real money and you get a job. And you get a nice car. Now, you loved your first car because it showed you the way. It taught you how to drive. It taught you and put you on the road. But your new car, man, it's got leather seats. It's got a CD player. It, it's sweet, sweet ride. So Kawhi showed us the way. It taught us how to drive. But it's the sum of the parts, guys. And the game of basketball, Jay Will, and you know this more Did than anybody. Did you just call Kawhi, it, Kawhi Leonard a pinto? Is that what you're no, trying to no, tell me? No, Kawhi Leonard is your first car? That's what you're, just, you're comparing Kawhi to? Kawhi Leonard is the Raptors' first car. He's the guy that showed us how to actually get there. But you how guys got a Bentley the, for your first car. You got a Bentley. Yeah, listen, man, hey, One percenters. Grandma. grandma Grandma handed down some good stuff to us, okay? She handed down some good stuff. When she left this world, God rest her soul, she gave us a nice car to drive. Yeah, but that sounds like Keyshawn's first car here. when USC gave him a Lexus. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not even going to chime in on that because <laughs> Coach K is going to join us later on, and I don't want him to back out. Colin, thank you very much. Really appreciate your comments. Interesting, real quick. Wow. Mike Shashevsky, by the way. First car, Shashevsky at eight thirty. By the way, yeah, I, I know that Toronto's operating at a at a really good level right now. But imagine what that level would have been if Kawhi had stayed on Toronto. <laughs> I mean, granted, maybe Pascal never continues to ascend the way he's ascending right now. But no, still. but he was ascending last year. With yeah, and I so mean, he would have he would have still <laughs> continued to elevate. They, they would have gone. They would have gone from a Pinto to a G five fifty. And no question if Kawhi's in Toronto, Paul George is probably not with the Clippers. Speaking of cars, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin brought to you by Mako. Mako's ready to fix those dents, repair that collision damage, spray on a fresh coat of paint with online estimates, contactless service, and their best price guarantee. Come to Mako and roll out refreshed. Go to mako.com to get started and to find a shop near you. Uh Uh-oh. 
Better get Mako. Still to come, speaking of legacies, we just talked about Kawhi's legacy. What happens when Patrick Mahomes wins another Super Bowl in year three? The Chiefs waited 50 years between titles. Now they get two in as many. Wow, we'll get to that next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. That includes Tim Legler coming up at the bottom of the hour. And a huge college basketball day if you love college hoops. Coach Cal and Mike Krzyzewski both joining us in the 8 a.m. Eastern hour. But joining us right now, Lou Riddick, who had a fantastic day yesterday. Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick are the new ESPN Monday Night Football team. And if you're old enough to remember Dandy Don and Howard Cosell and Al Michaels and Frank Gifford, Lou Riddick, you are now in that group. What does it mean to be a part of ESPN's Monday Night Football with that lineage of fellas? Yeah, Zubin, Keyshawn, J. Will, good morning. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's unique, man. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's a little bit surreal. I mean, I had, I've talked numerous different times, man, with people about the fact that I, I remember in the 70s as an elementary school boy, you know, that's when Monday Night Football used to come on at 9 o'clock Eastern time. And I remember just begging my mom and dad to just let me stay up to at least halftime, 
You know, so I could just watch guys like – I mean, I just remember the Cowboys. I just remember Dorsett. That's when I fell in love with Tony Dorsett, and that's why I went ultimately wound up going to the University of Pittsburgh because the Cowboys were always on Monday night. He was, you know, I believe a rookie in 1977. They won the Super Bowl that year against the Broncos. I just remember Al, you know, Howard Cosell and his iconic just renditions of describing Dorsett's running style. And, and then when I think back to that and then playing – on Monday night numerous times when I was in Atlanta and with the Browns. And I remember standing out on the field in Three River Stadium before we kicked off against the Steelers once on Monday night football. And they had you go out there on kickoff, and then you had to wait in the rest for saying we're about to come back from commercial break. And we were all lined up. The Steelers were lined up. This is Three Rivers. The terrible towels are going. And then coming back from the break, they pumped in the Monday night football music over the loudspeakers before you teed the ball up. I remember looking across – from my from one of my teammates, Benny Thompson, who was like an all-pro special teamer, and just saw tears streaming down his face. And I remember thinking, mm. "Man, this is this is freaking Monday." Well, I said it a little bit differently. <laughs> this, is, this is this is this is Monday Night Football, man. I mean, like that that's that's what it is to me. I mean, that gives me goosebumps now, just thinking back to those memories, thinking about the Monday Night Football music, what it what it meant for all those years to me, and I'm sure to Keyshawn, to everybody else. Jay Wolf, anybody who watched football, who watched sports, knew what Monday Night Football was all about. And to be able to go in the booth now and, and talk about this game that gave me everything that I have and my family, everything that we have and how I take care of my family, you know, in this environment with how, how important sports are, is going to be to everyone this fall, and particularly football, I mean, that's a huge responsibility. That's a huge honor. And that's just something that I can't wait. September 14th can't get here fast enough. It's so sweet, Lou, to just sit here and look at our monitor and see where it says Lewis Riddick on the phone, ESPN Monday Night Football yeah. Analyst. That's like real, real sweet to me. Hey, Lou, speaking of speaking of sweet, you are a former Washington uh, uh, football director of personnel. They have now hired uh, Jason right to come in and try and get things taken care of as the president of the organization. How significant is this to them? It's huge to them. It's huge to the national football league. It's huge to African-Americans because what it shows is that there's, you know, however you want to contextualize this, whether or not you want to feel as though this is an authentic hire or not. The fact of the matter is Jason Wright is there. Jason Wright is the first African-American team president in NFL history, Jason Wright is now able to, you know, exert his influence on that organization from a business side and shape it in the way that he sees fit in the way that he sees appropriate. That is something that we all want. We all want influence. We all want positions where we can actually affect meaningful change. This is a young man who's under 40 years old, who played in the NFL, who's walked the same walk that many of us have walked, who have, who's dreamt as big as many of us have dreamt, but haven't been able to attain. Well, he's attained it now. And now he's going to be able to do some things at that place that have never been done before, and at least attempt to do some things at that place that have never been done before, as long as the ownership allows him to do those things. And just listening to him talk briefly yesterday and reading up about him yesterday, what an impressive, impressive brother now. I mean, this, this guy right here has got it zipped up from A to Z. I think he is going to inspire many people after him to continue to dream big, Keyshawn, to continue to shoot for the highest levels in this country in terms of positions of authority and positions of influence. And that's exactly what you want. That, that is just exactly what, the, what you want. Look, I, I, I do believe Commissioner Goodell 
really is serious when he says that, you know, that he needs and wants to see more minority representation at the highest levels of the National Football League. And I think this is an example of it. Troy Vincent, who's in the NFL League office as well, you know that he, he means it. You know he wants to see it. And this is a huge step, a huge step. And I can't wait to see what he is able to do along with Coach Rivera as far as getting things pointed in the right direction down there in Washington. Lewis, Jay Williams here. First off, congratulations, brother. Every time I hear you speak about football, I always learn something and take away something incredible. So congrats, man. Thank you, man. I want to bring it back here to New York for a quick second. Obviously, first-year coach uh, Joe Judge for the Giants. Uh, The story came out the other day that he is making players not wear their names on the back of uniforms. Is this another early mistake by another Bill Belichick disciple? How do you see this playing out within the Giants organization? Yeah, it's one of those things that's going to naturally invite that kind of skepticism, that kind of criticism because of the kind of things that Bill tries to do to get you out of thinking individually and start you thinking collectively when you become a member of the Patriots. And one of the things that he does is you will practice without names on your jersey. He'll give you numbers that don't really correspond with the number you're going to wear during the season. And then you see, you know, you see wide receivers wearing number 65, 77. You see quarterbacks wearing, you know, 78. And I mean, it's just, it's the kind of thing you sit there and you go, what, you know, what? So when, when you see his, his guys who have coached under him kind of do some of the same things, it's going to invite criticism because of lack of success. Most of his assistants have had when they branched out on their own. I think the most important thing for him before we jump too far to conclusions with, with Joe Judge, is to give him give him a, give him a chance to make sure that he keeps the main thing the main thing, which is this: players respect competency, players respect coaches they can trust. Ultimately, players respect coaches that can make them better players and help them win. As long as they do that, you can they can do whatever you want. Like, you know, we can put on you know whatever kind of jersey you want me to put on. You don't want me to have my name on it, fine. As long as you can make me better and we can win football games and I trust you, you can do whatever you want. That's been the problem with some of the assistants that have lost, that have left Bill. They've tried to do a lot of the same things that Bill has done because naturally they have learned and come up underneath Bill. So you're going to naturally you know, emulate the guy who's the greatest coach of all time. That, that's just natural. The thing is, though, you better put your own spin on it. You better be competent. You better be trustworthy. And you better help me get better because if you don't, it's going to come back on you tenfold. Next thing you know – everyone else that comes after that coach is going to automatically be compared to all the ones that have failed before him. And people are going to say, you're just trying to be junior bill and you can't do it. But there's no question. Bill's one of a kind. Having played for the man, I can tell you this. It's a kind of pressure that you, that I've never felt before from a coach. It's some coaches walk, talk it. This man walks it as far as holding you accountable. And he has a way of delivering it to you that you just know, as long as I do what he tells me to do, we are. I'm going to be better. I'm going to make more money. We're going to win football games. And it's been proven. Joe Judge needs to prove that now. He needs to prove it. You're going to do all this stuff now. You better make sure that your players are better. Simple as that. You do that, you're good. You don't, they're going to run you out of there just like they run any other coach out of there. And then we're going to come and get you and talk about how the fact that all oh, you were trying to be Bill Jr. So he knows what's up. He knows what this means doing things this way. Lewis, let's go to the field here real quick. The Dallas Cowboys lose Gerald McCoy. What does that do to their interior defensive line, having picked him up from Carolina? Well, I mean, Gerald is legit. He's a legit three technique, a legit inside pass rusher, who quite honestly probably has some defensive end versatility that you could rush as a, in a nine technique outside if you needed to. But he's one of the guys 
who really can get after it rushing the passer inside. It makes everything better for people on the perimeter. So not having that kind of guy from an on-the-field perspective and not having a guy who's experienced as him and as good of a person as him, you, you know how that affects the locker room. Look, they, they also lost Robert Quinn, you know, who wound up going to Chicago. They have brought in some people down there who are spectacular on the edge as far as pass rushers like Everson Griffin, like Alden Smith, who if you listen to what Coach McCarthy is saying down there, I mean, Alden Smith right now just looks like an absolute freak on the field. So they've got some people in Demarcus Lawrence who's already been there. But we're not having that dominant interior pass rush presence rushing over the center guard area. I mean, you know how, what that means on third down, Keyshawn. So hopefully they'll be able to, you know, do some things to help, you know, alleviate that loss. But Gerald's a top-notch person, a top-notch player, and I'm sure that that's a big blow in terms of losing him this early in training camp. That's Monday Night Football's Lewis Riddick, September 14th. Say that again. That sounds good. Monday Night Football's <laughs> Lou Riddick. You heard Jay Will yeah, talk man. about Joe Judge. It'll be the Steelers and the Giants in the first game, and then Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lou between the Titans and the Broncos in the second game of the double dip to put a capper on week one of the NFL season that we cross our fingers, hopes, goes off the way that we hope. Lou, congratulations, and we'll talk to you down the line, hopefully Monday morning, September 14th, as you get ready for that first Don't game. get too big time for me now. No, no, man. No, let me know when I can come back. I love your shots. I, I got up yesterday early to watch y'all, so you know I'm pulling for you. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's ESPN's okay. Lou Riddick. Lou, thank you very much. Is Jay being hypocritical when it comes to Kawhi's legacy? We've been talking about Kawhi all morning long and what a championship would do for him. That's next after this Sports Center update. Let's roll. We talked about Kawhi. How about his teammate, Paul George? They combined for 56. Clippers over the Mavericks, 118-110. The Zinger got tossed. Luka had 42 in his playoff debut, the most by anyone in his first postseason game. Wasn't enough. The Clippers get it done. Is this the year, in their 50th year, as an organization, they finally win their first NBA championship? Out to a good start. You heard Key talk to Lou about Gerald McCoy and you heard what Lou said how big of an injury this could be but they still have Don Terry Poe who they signed Everson Griffin Randy Gregory could come back but this was a huge offseason addition that is now being mixed because he is banged up right tendon problem and four more series get underway in the NBA playoffs on Tuesday including the Trailblazers and the Lakers that's the Capper Magic Bucks Heat Pacers Thunder Rockets that one's on ESPN radio and then the Capper Portland and LA Carmelo and LeBron in the playoffs nobody thought we'd ever see it again Sports Center brought to you by Nature Valley feel the joy of a sunny day find the freedom of an open field and taste the crunch from 100% whole grain oats stay outside longer with Nature Valley oats and honey crunchy granola bars we are better outside so Jay has been very clear on what he thinks about Kawhi Leonard but we've been asking you to weigh in after all this is your show it's our show it's a community you got something to say hit us up anytime anywhere 888-SAY-ESPN 888-729-3776 you know that Friday reference it's like it's like both of ours we'll just keep it at your house no doubt that's how we feel it's on a Friday but we're here on a Tuesday it's day two and Greg in West Virginia is basically saying he's calling out my man Jay Will about being hypocritical about Kawhi Uh state your case and then we'll talk to Tim Legler and get his you didn't opinion. You say something on NBA on countdown and Hello, Greg. your mind, did you? <laughs> hey, What's up, Greg? What's up, G? Hey, talk what's to me. What's going on, guys? Yeah, Jay, well, I just think you're being a little hypocritical here. You know, wow. if we, we call out LeBron for, for building super teams, but we, we praise Kawhi and all these other players that leave. And my second point real quick, 
is out of the first nine seasons of Kawhi's career, he's only played two times over 60 games. If you compare that to James Harden, James Harden's done it eight times. LeBron's done it eight times. Kobe did it eight times. We, we can't Ooh. put him up there in the Ooh. all-time great. Get him, get him, get him. If, 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 if you're not available, you can't be an all-time great. Get him. Well, uh, well I'm sorry, Greg. He, he is available when they win championships, and I don't think James Harden has won a championship yet, so that would take him out of the conversation. I wasn't saying that he's surpassing LeBron or he's surpassing Kobe Bryant, but by the way, I was not one of those people that say him changing teams, him not being available, him not playing games takes him away from the conversation. I like what Kawhi is doing. I do understand the argument, the fact that he low manages throughout the course of the season, and some people get really angry at that. But let me tell you guys a little secret. A lot of players low manage. Players find different ways to do it. Keyshawn, you, you know about this in football. You know, well, because maybe you guys only play one game every other every week. But in basketball, I see guys all the time. Well, my finger hurts. I may have to sit this one out. It's a long season, eighty-two game season. I don't have a problem with people low managing, not at all. I mean it. The only problem I have with low managing, pick the right games to do it in. Because the fans, we want to see you play the Clippers and the Lakers. We don't want you sitting down when it's the hot Golden State Warriors. We, you know, we spend our money. We want to see it. If it's two bad teams, then that's a different story. I'll just say this real quick. For for the fans, I understand low low management, how it can be frustrating. Yeah. But the science actually proves that it works. No, it's cool. You're playing more basketball than you ever have before, guys working out. We're not doing the same thing in the 80s that we're doing now in the 2020s. Science makes you better, and science proves, the data proves, that doing this helps you at the end of the regular season and the playoffs. Some would say having four and a half months off is load management in and of itself. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. As promised, ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler is here. Okay, Tim, you get to break the tie because Greg in West Virginia was hot one way on Kawhi. Jay Will's been hot the other way. If Kawhi gets this thing done, three titles, three years, prime of his career, the last two with organizations that have never really done anything in the NBA before he showed up, it means what? Well, I think it does change the conversation about Kawhi a little bit. Because if you think what we've talked about with Kawhi Leonard for literally probably the past you know six years or so is in the context of where he stacks up with today's players. And it was always LeBron, KD, Kawhi. Like, those were the three guys we kept talking about. And I think with what he did last year, going to a team for one season that couldn't break through before he got there, lead them to a championship. Now, he did get a depleted Golden State Warriors team in the finals. And I think you know some people will probably – hold that against him. And his first finals MVP in San Antonio, he really wasn't the best player on that team yet. He just had a great series. And then eventually that would become his franchise, his team. This one would be different because if he is able to win a championship going to the Clippers for a year in his first year, in a situation where he's got to beat LeBron and the Lakers, he potentially has to beat, let's say, a Milwaukee Bucks team that will have a two-time reigning MVP on it and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think you start to now look at him more of a historical context of his greatness and stacking him up against some of the all-time greats more so than what we've done to this point, which is just talk about where he is in today's game. So I agree with Jay. I, th- I think I think you have to start to look at him and start to r- rank him with the all-time great perimeter players that we've had in this league. Now, he's not on the level of a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James. He's not in that category yet. Um, but let's see what he ends up doing the rest of his career. If this guy goes and wins four or five championships and he's the guy that's leading all of those teams there, you know, maybe he can get into that conversation. But he, at least for, for now, if he gets this done, you've got to start talking about him 
in terms of, of one of the all-time greats. Thank you, Tim, Legs. Tim, talk some sense into Keyshawn. Thank I you. didn't say – what do you mean talk sense into me? I don't know. I just wanted to argue with you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Tim, <laughs> do you ever think that he will really truly <laughs> – Get those accolades based on his personality because when you talk about LeBron or you talk about Kobe or Magic or any of the great ones, MJ, that personality, that snack, crackle, pop gave them that extra umph. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. And, and I've, said, I've said forever, you know, and, and the late, great Kobe Bryant, I, I used to say about Kobe, if Kobe had Magic Johnson's personality type, right, then there would be, never be a discussion about the greatest Laker. It would be Kobe, no, no, hands down. So personality does play into it. I think Kawhi Leonard, you know, wanting to stay in a certain lane in terms of his profile, that probably does work against him. I think that is a fair point. I actually think, though, now, finally, with what he did last year and the playoff run he had, which is one of the best we've seen in, in modern times, that two-month run that he had with Toronto, I think we're starting to now get to the point where we care less about the personality type and we're judging him more on his ability to come through in the clutch time after time um, and the fact that he does it on both ends of the floor. So I think finally last year, he we started to ignore the personality more and focus on his game. So I, so I think he had a breakthrough, but there's no doubt if guys are more outgoing and they're more receptive to wanting media attention um, and they have the game to back it up, well, they get taken to a completely different stratosphere. So that's a very fair point. What, in tonight's game, the Lakers and the Blazers, what is the scariest between the two? What, what, what do you see as the scariest? I think, I think the scariest thing right now for the Lakers is, first of all, it's rare to get a team that's got a top 10 player in the NBA on it as an eight seed. So that, that alone is unusual. Um, then on top of it, you get that player coming in playing some of the best offensive basketball of his career, like completely on fire right now, where you've got to come up with a game plan designed to try to get the ball out of Damian Lillard's hands. So they're dealing with a red-hot top-10 player. And then on top of it, the Lakers haven't played a game that meant anything to them since the the middle of March. The Blazers just played, for all intents and purposes, nine straight playoff games because they had to win from the time their feet hit the ground in Orlando, and then obviously they had the high-pressure situation playing Memphis in a play-in. So they have been playing games that felt like playoff games you know, since they got down there, and now the Lakers have to generate that adrenaline because they're not going to get it by running out um, in the Staples Center. They're not going to get it as the number one seed with the home court advantage. You can't count on that stuff. You've got to find it from within – and now they're going to go out there tonight and they've got to somehow replicate what the playoffs feel like, whereas the Blazers, they've already ramped themselves up to that point. So this is a, this is a dangerous situation for the Lakers. It would not shock me if the Lakers dug a hole in this series. However, it is a best of seven, and in a best of seven, eventually the better team is going to grab control of the series. So as long as they don't drop the first two, they're going to be okay and they're going to win the series. But I do think they're going to be seriously tested. Legs, let's talk about another hot player in the league, Luka Doncic. Uh, first off, where would you rank him as it relates to top players in the league, top five, top ten? And then secondly, uh, what, what's your take on what happened last night with his obviously brilliant performance, but also the, the second technical foul called on Kristaps Porzingis? Yeah, well, first of all, it start with the technical foul situation. So, you know, and I don't know how anybody out there can defend it. And I saw some of that last night. It's mind-boggling to me because, look, the first technical foul that he got, if you want to make the argument that shouldn't be um, in the league 
but it is. It's it's a standard. They they now look. You might miss some, and you'll watch games some night where guys wave their hands at the referee or they do the fist the fist air pump, but and not get called. But look, he did get it, and it is in the rule book that's supposed to be automatic. So he gets his first tee, expressing emotion on a bad call on that block shot. Here's the point. From that point forward. You can't go and inject yourself into a situation when two players are jawing a little bit. Nothing was going to happen between Luka Doncic and Marcus Morris, right? So Morris wraps him up. They have a couple of words. Luka's walking past him. Nothing is going to happen, and yet here comes Porzingis thrusting himself into a situation and now making himself susceptible to picking up the technical foul. He didn't come over there to grab Luke and get him out of there. He came over there because he wanted to get his two cents in, and he actually created physical contact with Marcus Morris. That's an easy technical foul to call. And in his first playoff game of his career, when you've already got one, let some other guys on the court go handle that. You don't need to do that. You've got to show self-discipline. You've got to show a little bit more intelligence right there because you were playing on a night in which the Clippers, to that point, they had not figured out how to guard them. They had 69 points to that point in the game. Talking about three minutes into the second half, they scored 41 the rest of the game when he left the court. So you really hurt your team, and that was maybe your chance to make this a longer series. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be now. So, so I, to me, it's inexcusable um, why he did it, and I don't know how you can defend it. As far as Luka's place in the game right now, he's clearly a top-five offensive player. He, he needs work on the defensive end of the floor. But his ability to control the game as a playmaker and a scorer, he's right up there with LeBron James and James Harden. I mean, those, those three guys, more than any others, control the game because the ball's in their hands and they're making decisions to make people better and they're also capable of going off from anywhere from 30 to 50 points on any given night. So he is absolutely in that category in terms of guys controlling the games for their teams. He just needs to have more of an impact on the other end. Great point. Porzingis had 14 in 6 and 20 minutes before the toss, and Luka had 42 in his very first playoff game. More playoff basketball less than six hours away when Giannis takes the court at 1.30 Eastern. That's ESPN's Tim Legler. He's brought to you by 5-Hour Energy Shots. Energy on the go. Still to come, energy coursing through the Dolphins training camp. Two is back on the practice field for the first time since that ugly, dislocated hip he suffered at Alabama. But someone here says... The Finns would be better off if he was on the bench. What? And it's not just Fitzmagic. It's actually one of us three that's saying that. You know, what? Ryan wants to play. Key or Jay? We'll see. It ain't me. Well, it ain't me either. Well, he teased it. You just, the, we just blew the tease. No, he didn't. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to Key's thoughts on why the Dolphins should sit to it now that we blew it.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. John Johnson, Jay Williams, Zubin Mahenta here on ESPN Radio. In 20 seconds, how should the Dolphins handle Tua? But first, listen to ESPN Audio at home via your smart speaker. ESPN Audio at home, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van to find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. Speaking of Drake, you see that new Drake video? Keyshawn, you see that? I have not Oh, you got to check it out. KD's in it, OBJ's in oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard it, but I, yeah, I heard culture. about it. It's a good look. You I just haven't, you know, I got to check it out. So I'm going to put you on. Yeah. I got you. Okay. There, there's some you. video also of two out there practicing for the first time in the NFL after that catastrophic hip injury. He was drafted by the Dolphins. Key, your essential thoughts on how they should handle him and what kind of player you might think he ends up being? Well, I think, first of all, you here's a guy coming off injury. I don't care what you see. They have no real talent around him from an offensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to protect what you would deem as your future. You go back to Alabama and you look at the guys that he was throwing to, whether it was a Henry Ruggs or, or any of these guys that were first-round picks, the yeah. Jared Judys, the O.J. Howards, the Najee Harris's in the backfield. Sure. That, that is a lot to ask of a young man to come into an organization that, quite frankly, right now they're building. They're not going anywhere. I mean, you still got the New England Patriots that just got Cam Newton. You got the Buffalo Bills, and then we'll see what the Jets are. But the Dolphins are a team that, if I'm them, I want him to sit behind Fitzmagic and wait a minute and see how to play the position in the National Football League. Chan Gailey is the new offensive coordinator over there. He's never really developed a quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's always had these gimmicky slash kind of plays for the quarterback position, which – a lot of running is involved in that. Now you got a guy with multiple injuries on his lower body that you're going to ask him to get underneath the center and run around and play gadget football. I don't know, man. I just I I would sit sit him down and wait and see what's the rush. You're not you're not ready to compete for a championship right now. I'm okay with him easing into it. I thought you were originally going to say that you didn't like Tua's game. I don't because, love. I don't love. Okay. I don't love it. Let's see. Well, can I ask let's you a question see, though? Let's what, see what he is. Besides the injury, though, what is there not to love about him? What is it? He's well, he, you, he, let me let me give you some things. The most efficient passer in NCAA history. Heisman Trophy runner up. Okay, national champion. The way he plays. I mean, 
He can read defenses. He can go through the progressions. He has all the tools that you would see of a superstar quarterback. What about him do you not love besides just him coming off injury? Well, you got first of all, I don't like 6-1 quarterbacks. That's not that. Oh, uh, you're going to call him cute again? No, I'm not you calling call Kyler him. Murray cute. You, you have some of the, I don't know something about you and smaller quarterbacks. I, 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 like, I, like, like I like big, strong quarterbacks. I just do. I like the Tom Brady's, the Cam Newton's of the world, big dudes. They just, there's a reason big dudes make it in the National Football League. And there's a reason. Russell Wilson? Is, but, he, is he a big So you dude? can go to one or two guys in like 100 years. Like, come on, stop. Like, seriously. Like, you, you, you go break out Russell Wiz next, you break out Drew Brees, too, right? Hey, I'm just saying. They're putting up the numbers. No, I, I, at the end of the day, he may turn out to be okay. I personally would have passed on him in the draft, Z. Coach Cal and Coach K are next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.